You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you are doing very well. The bloke that you're about to hear from, he's rather a unique and special individual as far as I'm concerned. His name is Mark Torian, and he is the fella out the front of a band called Bullet Boys. He has been that band's guiding light for almost 30 years. Actually, I think it's fair to say it has been 30 years, so he's been doing it a hell of a long time. He is finally bringing the Bullet Boys to Australia for a tour, and I'm going to read out some dates quickly. On the Thursday, on Thursday, I should say, the 3rd of May, they're playing Brisbane at the Woolly Mammoth. Friday the 4th, they're playing Melbourne at Cherry Bar. That'd be a cracker, actually. Wish I could go to that one. Saturday the 5th, they're playing Adelaide at Fowler's Live. And finally, Sunday the 6th, they're playing Sydney at Frankie's. On that note, let's hear what Mark has to say. Here we go. Mark, welcome to the show. It's such a thrill to be talking to you because you are touring Australia in early May and I think it's your first Australian tour, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us about the show that you're bringing down. You know, we're just going to bring uh, uh, just a, a really... We're, we're like... Um, uh, how would you say it? We're, we're just got tons of energy. This band's amazing um, as far as uh, a live act is concerned. Um, and we're just going to bring a lot of love and a lot of compassion and uh, a lot of just uh, straightaway blowing the roof off the place and a lot of SoCal love from uh, the Bullet Boys. And we can't wait to get out there. So have you had a lot of interaction with Australian fans over the years? Uh, yeah, there's been actually Australian fans that have flown out to see us uh, actually here in the States. So, yes, I have. Wonderful. And do you get a lot and of they requests? they were completely to... amazing. Oh, cool. And and do you get a lot of requests for merch and CDs and all sorts of paraphernalia? Oh, yeah, constantly. Constantly. We we are definitely bringing uh, merchandise and stuff out there so to, uh, to Australia. So we're going to have some really great stuff for people to uh, uh, to check out. I know that we're going to be doing some meet and greets out there also. So... We just excuse me. We just want everybody to uh, be ready for the onslaught, which is the SoCal Bubble Boys, and we're going to bring a lot of energy and just uh, some great shows. And we're ecstatic about uh, coming down under. Wonderful. Now the new album from Out of the Skies is a seriously groove-infused hard rock affair. So would you say that the album is an evolution of the Bullet Boys sound, or does it consolidate the sound that the band started all those years ago on the self-titled debut album in 1988? I would say it's a reinvention of the band. Um, we've reinvented the band here for the past 10 years with my, almost 10 years, um, with myself, Chad McDonald, and uh, Nick Ross. Um, and I definitely would say it's a reinvention. We've reinvented this band. Um, you know, and they, with other musics that were involved in writing and everything else, you know, we're taking the band to new places and um and, and different places, and uh, um, I'm really happy with what we're doing right now, and, and ecstatic with uh, who we're playing with, and um, the band itself as as a whole, and the energy that we have, and uh, especially the friendship. That's a big one, isn't it? Friendship, and, you know, it's it's oftentimes the case. Like I think at the end of the Motley Crew tour, the last tour that they did, the guys couldn't stand each other, and were touring in different vans and buses and getting different town cars places. But if you can maintain a friendship whilst being able to play music with people, it's just extraordinarily special. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I, I think it's, um, I think you're hundred percent correct. And it's, it's also something that, um, in my musical life now that I need more than ever to have a camaraderie and friendship with the people that, that you're playing with, you know, it's like, a mm. 
excuse me, it's, it's basically a, a rock and roll marriage, you know, or a, a musician's marriage where, you know, you're working with each other. You have to learn each other's ins and outs, you know, even your personal life, you know, to be able to discuss that and to be able to help each other out with that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's, it, it's extremely important to have those type of, uh, that type of com- uh, camaraderie with, uh, with the beautiful souls that I play with, man. Cool. Yeah. And you've been the mainstay in the band the entire time. You're the guiding light since the band broke large in 1988. So along the way, you've shared the stage with some extraordinary musicians. So there's been, just to name a few, okay, DJ Ashper and Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses, Chris Holmes from Wasp. I didn't even know that until I looked on Wikipedia there that Chris played with you. And Jason Hook from Five Finger Death Punch, which have almost taken over the hard rock world at the moment. So... Would you go so far as to say that you have saved as many careers as you may even have helped launch? Oh, you know, that's, 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 thank you for, thank, first of all, thank you for saying that, but, um, I, I take no credit for that whatsoever. I, I don't believe that Chris Holmes, I, I don't know if he ever played with, I don't really remember that. So uh, oh, wow, I could okay. be mistaken, but everybody yep. else, absolutely. Okay, I think yeah. we were very blessed to, um, to have Steven Adler, uh, playing with us for a bit. Uh, I just love him with all my heart, and um, he's an amazing drummer and, and just an amazing person um, and human being. So, uh, DJ Ashba, amazing. We, you know, we, myself and Lonnie, um, first met him um, in here in the Valley, here in, in LA, and uh, Lonnie actually had met him, and um, I, I don't know exactly where it was, but it was pretty close to this apartment that he was living in, and. Lonnie, you know, he said, listen, I just met this guy. He's a great guitar player. You know, we should give him, give him a look at, you know, to see what's going on. So we ended up just liking DJ because DJ was such a sweetheart. You know, he's, uh, he's amazingly talented, but it all comes down to the, you know, the personality and the person. So he's uh, kudos to him for um, having such a major success everywhere. I just love him with my heart and uh, very, very proud of uh, what, um, for, proud for him of what he's done in his career. And, and then we get to Mr. Jason Hook, who I just love with all my heart and um, I'm extremely happy for him uh, that he found his way and found his voice and found his true calling, um, which is uh, the Mighty Five Finger Death Punch. And I just love him to death, man. He's an amazing writer, amazing guitar player, one of my favorite guitar players um, around in the business. Mm. Um, and he's got a heart of gold. And... Um, Myself, him, and uh, Jeremy Spencer uh, have become very close. <laughs> Jeremy's a, a big, um, uh, he loves the Bullet Boys and has always been a, um, a musical fan. And I just love Jeremy with all my heart also. He's been very supportive, him and Jason, as of, as of late. Uh, I really want to thank them for being so supportive of me and my band and uh, loving the new album that we just put out and uh, to be getting... You know, it's just, they take the time to send me texts or give me a call and send me love. And, you know, at, at this point in my career, it it, it uh, speaks volumes mm-hmm. um, that there's such, uh, um, there's such uh, musical gentlemen to be able to call me and, and to say those types of loving things to me. It, it mm-hmm. just means the world to me. So <laughs> I love them. I'm really happy. They just put out a new single, so I wanted to give them props on their new, new single. Their band's just so badass i've seen them uh, a couple times and and it was just uh just amazing 
So I love all those guys from Five Finger Death Punch. But uh, definitely give um, a lot of love and credit to, to Jason Hook. He's the best. Wonderful, mate. Oh, very nice sentiments, and thanks for sharing that. And uh, so my next question, I've actually been a, I've been aware of the band for a very long time, as far back as the Wayne's World soundtrack. So that was my first introduction to the band via the track Rock Candy. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> so, did your inclusion on the soundtrack lead to a bigger audience, and did it do for the band what you hoped that it would do? You know, it, yes and no. Um, it did um, help us as far as uh, getting to a, a broader fan base. But, you know, internally, I think that we were going through a lot of things that uh, were that really couldn't be fixed. So it was kind of a double-edged sword. <laughs> um, hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, to, the making of it and uh, to being uh, a part of that huge, brilliant movie it still is, uh, you know, I still have the Platinums hanging on my wall. So, cool. I mean, it's very endearing to me. It was a very special time um, for us to... Uh, be able to recut in Bullet Boys fashion um, uh, the you know the classic kit of Montrose mm-hmm. was very um, daunting, a little scary, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know we had Ted Templeman there who you know basically was kind of like the fifth Bullet Boy, and he was um, you know gave us a lot of strength and love to to plow through it, and, and uh, we ended up making some creating some. Uh, some really great magic with that song. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better songs on the um, on the album, and the album's got a lot of classic cuts on oh, it. There's thank no you. Doubt. So it was one of those tracks that, and the track by the yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Skicker Mekanko. I enjoyed both of those tracks in particular. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for saying that too, because not too many people tell me that uh, in interviews. So. Yeah. I greatly appreciate that you really loved uh, Rock Candy because I love it still, too. I mean, I will go into places and they'll be blasting it, right? And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> man, that, that thing still sounds so dope. <laughs> it does. It sounds fantastic. I was listening to it last night, actually, because it's, uh, it's 8 o'clock in the morning here. So last night, as I was putting the questions together, I thought, I'm going to blast that song again. I'm going to put it on. And, mate, it still rocks. It always reminded me of, of it. It sounds, it has this like uh, spooky, which I love, spooky sound, like a band playing like in a fucking alley or something. So I heard this. Yes. I don't know. To me, I've always had that visual of, you know, of the, you know, that that sound. It just has this real, um, uh, how would you say? Um, it's just that it's, villainy it's really sound. Eerie you know? quality to it, yeah. <laughs> well, I t- oh, look, yeah, I love it. I love it. So it leads into my next question, because, of course, the Wayne's World soundtrack and Rock Candy were released at a time when the music world was being shifted on its head. You cast your mind back to when Nirvana and Pearl Jam broke. And uh, really, you had a front row ticket to what was going on there. So how did you see the Nirvana and the grunge explosion, and in what way did it affect your career? I loved it a hundred percent. I loved the music that came out of, um, out of Seattle, all of it. Um, it was breaking ground and, and, uh, really going back to punk rock roots, which I thought was, uh, just completely amazing. Um, as far as what it did to us, you know, it really didn't do too much to us because, you know, we're this, we were kind of, um, how would you say, um, Every type of every type of genre of band, they would come to see us play. 
Yeah. Uh, we were more of a, you know, uh, jeans and t-shirt rock and roll band. Uh, we've got thrown into the whole hair metal thing. I don't know how, but we just did hmm. maybe because of some of the uh, content of our songs or what have you. But, uh, you know, we were just a, a straight ahead, you know, bombastic energy band. You know, we really, to get thrown into any type of category was kind of weird for us, but we, um, we had a lot of fans, um, from, uh, Seattle and from that Seattle sound music. So, hmm. I just loved it. Um, huge fan of Nirvana. Um, uh, a huge fan of um, of a lot of music that came out there. But I'm also a very big fan of Andrew Woods, who I feel that had a huge stay in starting a lot of that music from Mother Love Bone. Oh yes, of course, yeah. Um, and I don't think they they really get a lot of credit. You know, um, mm. I had a, a a good acquaintance relationship with him, and he was just a sweetheart of a of a person and very very talented. Um, and, uh, so I'd like to give him, you know, may he rest in peace. I just love him to death. Uh, just give him some props, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. And look, another band that I always felt, I had a tape from a band called Warrior Soul, who you probably remember from back in the day. And I think they're still going and see some incarnation. I always considered Bullet Boys and Warrior Soul separate from, I did never classified it as glam or hair metal or what have you, but you know, it was that, that type of music that was almost associated with Faith No More and some of that stuff that was coming out of San Francisco at the time. Like it was almost uncategorizable, but it's still right. under the broader banner of rock music. And I always thought you guys were part of that. Do you want to call it a movement? You know what I'm saying? It was that scene. It was never that glammy thing, which... Yeah. Yeah. No, we, you know, we were, us, when we were, you know, when we were touring together, us and Tesla, we'd always have that conversation. Yeah, there you go, Tesla. Tesla was like that. They were just, you know... as well, yeah. (laughs) They had that um, punk rock soul, but that hard rock arm, you know, that, just that, uh, you know, that swagger of, of hard rock and a little Southern fried too, you know, it's, and we just got thrown into that because we weren't, you know, we definitely were not pretty boy Floyd or any of those bands, you know, we're maybe people may see us as that, but we were never that. Uh, I really believe that we had, uh, amazing people like Ted Templeman, uh, who produced our records, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day and, and that they're, uh, classic hard rock records now. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of us that came out. We were just, you know, we worked our butts off and to be able to come out of L.A., Southern California, when there was so many um, different bands coming out of here, but to actually be born and raised here and come out with something was, uh, we were very, very fortunate. But we also worked really diligently on our music and the way it sounded and the way we wanted it to be driven. And and we had uh, certain um staying points that we stayed together as a band as far as when we were first looking for a producer and everything else so switching gears and that being in the now it's uh i i actually do do it the same way mm. um i just have so much love for all the people that i've worked with uh that have taught me so much uh the producers that i've worked with uh the brilliant uh, ted templeman who is just like my favorite ever um uh, andy johns may rest in peace uh, Benny Medea, Carrie Ashby Gordy Jr., um, Jimmy Iovine. Um, there's been, I've been around some amazing producers and been very blessed with that. <laughs> so I try to take that knowledge and I, I'm still like that. I'm, I'm still a sponge absorbing musical knowledge every day. There's not a day that goes by where I'm trying not to, you know, not to, uh, how would you say it? Um, the only way I know how to explain it, I'm sorry, is there's so many brilliant bands out right now and you have to come up notch 
and top tier with your music. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, I, it, it, it's, it's very difficult. So to be able to keep it going and to be able to uh, sustain a career. So uh, I think from what I learned from the people that I work with, not to be redundant, but is to, to, to carry on and to move forward and always know that you have to reinvent yourself at some point mm. in the band's career. Yeah. Sage words and wise advice and for anybody. Did. <laughs> you know, yeah, as I say, sage words and wise advice, mate, for anybody that's in a band oh, out there you. and listening. So, mate, I better let you go. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I certainly hope we can catch up and I can have a beer with you when you come down here and you play your oh, Brisbane absolutely. show. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and that was my conversation with a fella called Mark Torian who is the frontman for long-running Los Angeles-based rock and roll outfit Bullet Boys. Thank you so much for listening.